they have their diamonds on, their ruby necklaces on. Let's go! I'm gonna break some shit out. Let's get the fuck out of the plan. Try to sync this up. Hi. Hi! This is For the Girls Podcast. I am Nick Westrate. And I am Jason Black. Um, this is a podcast about queer people who are obsessed with iconic female performers. It's a diva podcast. It's the diva podcast. It's the only podcast about divas in the world. That has ever been created. Ever been created. This is it. So you finally found it. You're here at the Diva Podcast. Who's this a podcast for, Jay? Who should be listening to this? Uh, um, this uh, he, 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 he sometimes skips this. He sometimes doesn't. And then I get a text that he has about 100 you of them. You always give and me so shit about it. And so now I'm stumbling. Every time give me shit about it, though. The- this is a podcast for songbirds, motherfuckers. This is a podcast for perfume magnets. This is a podcast for dumps. This is a podcast for AIDS activists. The, um, this is a podcast for pills at lunchtime. <laughs> this is a podcast for Caucasian Cleopatras. This is a podcast for when your husband's not enough, you do seven movies with. This is a podcast for sex-positive dames. This is a podcast for body-positive dames. (laughs) This is a podcast for drunk Marthas. This is a podcast for you wear that caftan once and then never again. That means you have... (laughs) That means you have... That's my favorite one. So many caftans. That's my favorite one. always win. Yes, this week we are so honored to have as our guest, Carmen Zillis. Hello. 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 Who's your diva, Carmen? My diva is Elizabeth Taylor. (gasps) Boom. Queen of caftans. Queen of a lot of things. So many things. I just got full body gooseys. Queen of diamonds. Queen of marriages. Oh, Queen of Hollywood. Hi, Carmen. So we're we're doing we're doing y'all we're. yeah, Queen of Hollywood, absolutely. Queen of Hollywood, y'all, we're doing this. Hi, Carmen, hi. hi. I'm looking at you through, like, some setup that Nick has rigged through our phones and our computers. We and had to do all Corona, the magic. We had to summon... Corona safety. Corona safety. Corona safety. We had to summon the dark magic of Winifred Sanderson to be able to produce this podcast <laughs> this week. She's This is our first us. one. This is our first one with a guest. It is our during first this Corona of podcast with a guest. Yeah, during this is time. live yep. during Corona with a guest. We are going to do our best to continue the dark magic <laughs> and keep yes, dark magic. And we're so excited. The beautiful magic. <laughs> White magic is that more or less problematic? <laughs> White Listen, magic. No, you can say light magic, shit. fair magic. Listen, we're we are white witches, and we're acknowledging that. I'm a brown witch, but I'm half a white witch. <laughs> Carmen, how did you find For the Girls podcast? Can you take us to the origin? How I found For the Girls podcast is because Nick and I spent two weeks together at the O'Neill in Connecticut, and I learned about it because you were doing all this work for it in your little prison cell room. (laughs) I was. And I was like, how have I not known about this before? My life is all about divas. Like, I have been all about divas since birth. Uh, so I plunged in. And what and was your first episode? What was my first episode? Working Girl. Working Let Girl, the river obviously, run. which is my... I'm wearing my Directed by Mike Nichols shirt. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> uh, wait, I'm sorry. Can I stop? Can I stop you? Yes. Yeah. Did you wait? Did you rate? 
subscriber review. I did all doing, of those things. You like that girl? Yeah. You like I that girl? I did all babe. of those things. And Thanks. everyone can go back and listen to our <laughs> episode. You can go back, you can download that, and you can leave an iconic <laughs> review. It's an iconic episode. <laughs> There are so many iconic episodes. What, every, what's your favorite you, one? Every single week, I literally tell you this is my favorite app. Uh, <laughs> I, I know. I asked Nick when, when we we're not sure. I'm like, what did Carmen say? <laughs> Carmen, I, I hesitate to call you, but I think of you sometimes as the chief battle angel. And then I was examining that today when I wrote that down in my notes. And I was like, no. The battle angels have a very egalitarian like circle that they sit around. And it's a purely democratic coven yes you're our, you're definitely our second battle angel that we've had post angel uh status who was the our first? first one was paula cole oh yes bradley scott hamilton oh, is who was a... on for paula cole yes, yes shout out to I bradley that so much where you're have the all the amazing. cowboys gone where have they gone where, i mean oh, they're on the they're well on the little fair cruise yeah. Yeah, that's where they all went. Yeah. We'll get to them when we talk about Man, giants. The Elizabeth cruise. Taylor was on that little affair cruise. <laughs> she deaf was. You she can't? definitely was. I can picture Liz being a big fan of cruises. <laughs> Love the cruise. But never leaving her room. She loves buffet. She would go to the buffet. She would go to yeah. the buffet. No, she's such a social buffet. Gotta go to the she doctors would make friends with, with everybody on the cruise. And she would definitely hit up the buffet. I was going to say she'd probably perform, but she doesn't sing. She would just There's hold a... court at the big yeah, center exactly, table. Yeah, exactly, and like tell the, stories. And... The only way to get me on a cruise would be the Lilith Fair cruise. Yeah. Or a cruise that Elizabeth Taylor was holding court in the center of the dining room. Only yeah. two ways I'm going to go And if cruise. she brought all the I, girls from uh-uh. these old broads. <sighs> the only way to get me on a cruise is straight up weekend at Bernie's kill me because I am but when I'm driving um, when I'm driving when I'm driving to listen to my light FM there used to be this ad that said like she came back sun-kissed princess cruises she's more <laughs> relaxed princess cruises and I feel like that's where Liz is going Liz would ride a princess cruise she totally would yeah, it, but yeah. it would also be, but it wouldn't be a princess cruise. It would be the Queen Elizabeth cruise. I'd be on yes. the QE too. Yeah. Did they the Queen do, Cru- <laughs> Am I making this up? Is there a dames documentary called Dames at Sea? Yes. It, is what it is about that? dames being on a cruise? I don't know what it is about. Fantasies. I, Fantasies become reality, um, right? Please, as long as we talk Google about that. it. <laughs> Someone write. No, I'm gonna. I'm gonna what is it? Tea with the dames. Angels. Tea with the dames is like Maggie Smith mm-hmm. and like Joan Plowright. And, um, and yeah, all on a cruise, <laughs> just like Atkins, Judy Dench. Maggie Smith. Watch out, Judy. Jens can't see. She's gonna tumble right she over. She really can't see, but she's up for adventure. <laughs> she, yeah. she was just on the cover of Vogue. And, like, the oh. whole article was about how she can't see. And I was like, this is rude. Get Move on from this topic. <laughs> I think that's... You're not fooling right me because those eyes on Judy Dench, windows to the soul. Yeah, Jesus well, Christ. speaking of windows to the soul. <sighs> the eyes, violet eyes Elizabeth of Dame Taylor. Elizabeth Taylor. There actually weren't wow. violet, technically. They were blue. They made that up in her early years of... MGM made that Well, listen, up. Angela Lansbury still thought that they were violet. Have there ever been eyes like that? I mean, they really are violet. 
And if the eyes are the mirror of the soul, then that is where we should look to appreciate the essence of this woman. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure they were like dark, almost purple blue. So let's get into it. Shall we get into it? I am, yeah. This is, yeah. I'm, uh, I, I don't know. Nick and I are always our pump for everything we do, but this is yeah, gotten she's her. epic. Happy Pride oh, Month, so y'all, because we're going to bring Pride it to Month. Because we're about to launch into a serious gay activist supporter. Perfect icon. icon. Also, Perfect in light icon. of all the activism everyone is getting up to or learning about or maybe being activists for the first time, look to look Elizabeth to Taylor. She put out please. a great, um, her foundation put out a great letter after coronavirus and then after Black Lives Matter. Really? Yeah, I think I have it. On we'll my... put it on the. We'll put on our Instagram. We'll put it in our Instagram stories, and we'll highlight yeah. it and leave it up there for everybody. It's great. Okay, Carmen. As you know, Carmen. As you know, we always we love an origin. Wolver. It started when we saw Wolverine. Origin <laughs> stories. We we never <laughs> turn back. Diva Wolverine. <laughs> full, diva. full full diva full diva. Hugh Jackman. So, but we're obsessed with origins. Carmen, take us back. What, what, what is this all about? All right. Um, well, when I was really little, I loved old movies. My parents were film nerds and showed me a lot of old movies, and I was, like, immediately hooked. And I think the first... I saw a lot of Elizabeth Taylor movies when I was little, and I saw, like... Father of the Bride and Little Women and National Velvet, but it was when I saw A Place in the Sun that I was like, oh my God. And I was young, and so I don't think I understood most of A Place in the Sun, but I just remember being so drawn in by her, and I couldn't explain it, but I was so kind of like, who is this person? And yeah, and I just wanted to know everything about her, and so I... My mom actually talks to me a lot about this because Elizabeth Taylor is also kind of my mom's diva. Um, moms love divas. Moms as we love know. divas. Moms loved Liz, and so I just I tried to watch all of her movies, but they're all very like they kind of went over my head as a little as a little kid. But I sort of rediscovered Liz when I was an adult like trying to get into graduate school for acting. Um, and I, I ended up watching a lot of her movies because I felt like there was something about her that was like a girl and a woman at the same time, which I very much felt like I was at that time. And I was like, there's something about this combination of like really innocent, but also really like sexual and erotic that I'm really captivated by and feel like I haven't seen anywhere else and I feel like that's something that I have that confuses me a lot um, like the duality of that so then I started getting really into Liz and I rewatched all of her movies and then I got assigned Cleopatra in grad school and I watched the movie and I was like I what do you mean you got assigned in grad school they assign you these roles that you're gonna play like you get cast in something like they were doing Antony and Cleopatra and I got cast as Cleopatra so then I watched the movie and that was like a total I didn't love the movie still don't love the movie <laughs> but I just watched it today yeah 
But um, then I just kind of realized that, like, she is Cleopatra, and you can kind of learn how to play that role by watching a lot of her other movies. She um, doesn't love the movie. No, she doesn't. Who loves the movie? Nobody loves the movie. It's no long. one Maybe likes Richard the movie. Burton loves it. It's long. Maybe it's awkward. It. He has them like talking like they're in All About Eve, but they're like in Rome <laughs> and like ancient Rome and shit and like ancient Mesopotamia. I'm like, this doesn't work. You know what girl I'm not here for? Rex Harrison. Not here for Honey, it ever. He's so miscast. Oh. He's so boring. Well, technically, so is Elizabeth Taylor. Very, very white miscasting. <laughs> yeah. Does yeah. not. Um, so, I don't know. I've always really loved Liz, but I feel like she's someone that I revisit at, like, important periods in my life. And I develop along with her like I look to her for things and certain things hit me when I'm ready for them to hit me like I didn't really get Virginia Woolf until like two or three years ago I think I'm trying to think about babe what was your intro I mean you you're a more old movies movie queen I am an old than movie I queen. am yeah I grew up I mean I really grew up with Elizabeth Taylor I mean, in the way that we watched The Father of the Bride and we watched National Velvet. Gosh, National Velvet was a huge, huge oh, deal in our house. Like my sister's... My mom's favorite. A total horse girl. Yeah. <laughs> in the worst sense of the word. And so we watched that a lot. Was that Michelle's favorite, National Velvet? Yeah, I think there was a lot of like girls of that time. You yeah, know, weirdly, I'm not a horse girl, and so I didn't connect as much with that movie. Although I was like, she's obviously lovely and great, and it's it's kind of a tearjerker. So that mm-hmm. you know, I mean, yeah, Liz. I always loved Liz, but I she was in a lot of movies with a lot of my divas. Like in National Velvet, I was pretty excited because Jessica Fletcher was in that movie. Jessica Fletcher has been in a lot of movies <laughs> with Queen Elizabeth. Exactly. And also... Scissor Sisters. <laughs> Do you think they scissored? Um, yeah. Absolutely. Not. I feel like... At, like, listen... Yes, Elizabeth I think they did because... all about the men. In fact, she I didn't know, but... really have many female friends for a lot of her life. Like, she was that woman. But like, I just think... female because... friends, but not close friends. Oh, really? yeah, she definitely. But I just think because all of her male friends, including lovers, loved men so much, too, that I yeah. think at one point she was just like, let me try. Let me walk on the wild side with Angela Lansbury. <laughs> I don't think so. But if there was ever, like, a queen to do that with, she also appeared in a lot of movies with Eva Marie Saint. Maybe they oh. scissored oh, at some point. Yes. Uh-huh. Eva yes, Marie Saint yes. and the Sandpiper. Yes. Wow. Yes. And in wow. Rain Tree County. Which I, have, I didn't get to see Rain Tree It's not a good County. movie. I, that's kind of what I understood. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. I mean, I... I <sighs> so many flops. It's, it's a weird movie. It's like a Civil War epic. What we'll, year? Give us the, give me the year. We'll get to 16. it. No, it's early. It, because there's so many films, y'all. 57. But that's in that kind of run of films that she she's nominated the first for one Best she got, Actress. That's the first one she got nominated for. It goes Rain Tree, Cat, Suddenly, Butterfield. Right. Are the four in a row. And then she wins the fourth one for Butterfield in kind of like a coup over my diva Shirley MacLaine for The Apartment that I'm like... So, yeah, so I always grew up with Elizabeth Taylor, but I've been obsessed with Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf since high school. Like, that play, I've always been obsessed with. I was obsessed with Uta Hagen, and then I was obsessed with Elaine Stritch. My car in high school was named Elaine. My second car was named Elaine. And 
uh, so I was obsessed with that film, and I would watch what? Elizabeth Taylor's Who's Afraid of Virginia. I've seen that film so many, like a hundred times minimum. I've been obs- I was obsessed with that play. I want to do that play more than anything on earth. But I, as a child, the only man that I was really a stand for was Richard Burton. Like he was my idol, and I know now that this was some devilish, devilish Republican behavior that was put in me by my family to idolize Richard Burton over Elizabeth Taylor. But I did, and I'm here to confess that to you right now. It's okay. I feel like Richard had a huge influence on Elizabeth's career and life. God, too much. Well, I don't know. I kind of think it really was a good thing for her, but we'll get there. Oh, ooh, 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 ooh. Yeah. I, okay, so here's my one, is that yeah. I think I I think I only really, okay, so like, I think I've lied a lot about my, my relationship with Liz, is that I'm pretty sure I've seen like, you know, I've seen the Horsey movie, I've, and, and then for sure I've seen Cat on a Hot Tin Roof multiple times, but you, oh, I think I've straight up lied about seeing Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, the full movie. It's one of those lies. You know, where you're like, I I've know totally it. seen that. Yeah, I've because seen everybody's seen it. it so it's like much. part of the cultural lexicon. Yeah. But then it's right. like so, you've never actually seen it. Yeah. And you say it enough and you've seen enough parts of it that you just say it. It's also so fucking awful that you don't quite, that like you don't, like it just stays awful. So it's like, yeah, doesn't you really don't build. really just, want to watch it. I mean, Nick, no. you're dealing with some dark magic, clearly being so there some dark that play. Yes. Dark marriage magic in there. Anyway, so I so I think that so I really feel like I've now taken myself down a big journey. Like and of course like I knew her as an icon. To me she's an icon. Mm-hmm. But like, oh y'all, I've really so it I'm is so a excited. She really goes on a fucking journey as Decades of journeys. Decades yeah. of journeys yeah. that you could attach yeah. yourself to. It's I mean, okay, we're about to get into the whole oeuvre of her career, but she's very she's incredibly singular as a celebrity because she is the kind of the first modern celebrity right yeah we talked about this that the word paparazzi was basically invented because of her and richard burton and the swarms of photographers that would follow them in rome and paparazzi is an italian word and so no one the origins of the word paparazzi came from the richard burton liz taylor's affair scandal scandalized the world it was the second time Elizabeth had scandalized the world with her... With her marriages. Yeah. Lady Gaga who? I'm, I always think of like Angelina Jolie as like trying to model herself after know, Elizabeth I've been think, Taylor. I've been thinking about it and I genuinely don't think that there's anybody that really can follow in her footsteps. I'm like, I have a controversial one. I'm like Cardi B. <laughs> yeah. Like there's a... Without there's, the acting. Well, I think you, I think, you know, I think, I think it has to be a child. I think you have to have grown up in that spotlight and then learn how to navigate. Well, the other thing. Can you believe Cardi B is only 27? By the way, that's so young. That's crazy. The thing, but this is the other thing is that like two things about Liz is that she was part of the studio system when she was a kid, but then it ended when she was like becoming an adult. And so that was kind of a crazy thing to live through. And it really affected the kind of roles she took, the way that she lived in the public eye, all of this stuff. Okay, so let's get into it. Because she did two seven-year contracts at MGM, right? Yeah. And the first one started when she was like, what, 14, 13? Nine. 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 Yeah. 
Fuck. Um, nine, and she did two movies where she had small roles before National Velvet. And then National Velvet was like a known entity, and her mom, who was like a complete stage mom, was pushing for her to get the role, um, like talking to Louis B. Mayer every day, talking to this, uh, another diva that everybody should know, Hedda Hopper, who is this mm. gossip columnist who basically was like very a huge fan of Liz uh, and wrote a lot of stuff up about Liz at the time like making her more of a name than she was in the hopes that she would get cast as National Velvet and then she did and that was the beginning of the end and also I haven't been able to stop thinking about this since I read it she has two pairs of eyelashes on each eye. Yeah, like that darkness of her eyes, it always looks like she's wearing eye makeup, like heavy eyeliner, but that's actually just her eyes. Yeah, it's a genetic mutation. It's yeah. Oh, I thought, I was I was like, that's Trixie Michelle's trick, honey. You just double it up. Oh wait, <laughs> no. really, that's her birth? That's, oh, birth. that's what her eyes look, her eyes look like that with no makeup on. Like Google Elizabeth Whoa. Taylor, no makeup, and her eyes are that they look lined all, all the time. Ever since I ever since I heard that, I I always I keep wanting to like get like in there. I want to like get right up into her eyeball and look at it. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Is that okay. rude? There's no. a little, I mean, I don't know. Rude, but no. But, but you had the creepy. same impulse as George Stevens, A Place in the Sun, because oh. that was like. That was the film that I saw that really made me go like, oh my God. And it was all those crazy close-ups that he did of her. I mean, this goes along with like what my sort of theory is about Liz, which is that she's always been highly sort of like erotic and sexual, but it took a long time for like her to totally understand it and for... Like in that movie, A Place in the Sun, there's like the scene that when she and Montgomery Clift are like on the dance floor and he's telling her that he loves her and their noses are like almost touching and her face is like right below his and he's like, I love you. I've loved you since the first moment I saw you. I guess maybe I even loved you before I saw you. You can basically see her whole face starts to subtly change as if she's like filling up with this electric charge and then and she doesn't even move like you can just tell that she's feeling it and so it radiates and then she's about to tell him and she has her eyes down the whole time like she's not looking at him and then I'll tell you why But it is a wonderful feeling. And it's so dramatic. It's like, I was just like, <gasps> um, and it's so sexually charged. And the thing is, in that movie, she's supposed to be this innocent, ideal woman. But she's deeply sexual in that movie, I think. Yeah. In a really innocent way. When The way you just described that, it reminds me of two... She's like a combination of two of my favorite actresses of all time. 
that uh, that radiating ability is something that Marilyn has too, yeah. right? Who was like her? The, who was her close? Like they were working basically at the same time. At the same time, they're very much contemporaries, and but also her master of the close up and when to give those eyes. Betty is Davis. Very Betty Davis. Yes. I was thinking about one of my favorite eps, Latoya Morgan. Oh, uh, Latoya, Latoya Morgan. Morgan. Yes. I know. I who know. changed my life when she said that about Betty Davis really knows when to give you her eyes. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the thing <laughs> is, Liz, like, really, especially at the beginning of her year, was, like, running on instinct. She didn't really understand how the camera, what she, what effect she had on the camera, and she didn't really totally know. So all of this was just instinctual. And I think that's part of what George Stevens loved so much about her. He actually said, he was like, I think what makes her so incredible is that she's completely unselfconscious. Like, she knows she's beautiful, but she, like, isn't charmed by it, like, doesn't, and doesn't want other people to be too impressed by it, and is, like, really, it has a lot of humility. And he was like, that really helped that character and is, like, a huge part of her beauty actually is that Mm. she had this relationship to herself that was very sort of like irreverent you know the eyes are the windows to To more of my eyes to more of my eyes (laughs) the eyes keep looking got more eyes but don't you think that elizabeth was something i I always think like because i didn't quite know this that elizabeth she's not american or she got dual citizenship she was born in london yeah she was born in london her parents were both american Oh, okay. Her that's dad kind of gives was you the, gay. Did you guys know that? No. What? Yeah, her dad was bisexual. Like he and the a big reason. Damn, why, Liz cannot yeah, get away from she that. Can't. Like a big reason why she and her mom ended up going to Hollywood was because like her dad was having these affairs with men in London, and their marriage wasn't going well. And so oh, this she, is tea. Yeah, her mom decided that she wanted to like live vicariously through her daughter and like go to Hollywood and do that because her mom was an actress too but like not a very successful one Mm -hmm. so then she and Liz moved to Hollywood and her dad and her brother stayed in London and then it caused like a big rift in their family that never really was resolved damn Wikipedia makes it sound like it was just World War II that made them move no it was I mean, it was partially that, but it was mostly his dad, her dad having... Also, her dad was physically abusive. Like, Liz wow. has said at, in her older age that he, like, beat her up a lot as a kid. Um, and that's why she rushed out to get married early to Conrad Hilton. Yeah, I mean, I think it's why she was attracted to a lot of abusive men with big, big personalities. Right. But don't you think that dual citizenship, something about that, I guess, kind of reminds me of how it's it's also, it's a sexually charged kind of performance. It's also a maturity that she has yeah. consistently throughout her career. Like, she's, and I think that's why it's always, it's been hard for me to, like, if I'm not looking at direct dates, I have no idea how old she is. From, like, film to film, if yeah. I'm not like, okay, how do I clock this? Because she has a kind of maturity that's always there that... Yeah, makes it kind of hard to place her at a a certain point. point. But that's what I mean about her having, like, girl and woman in her at the same time. Because I think, like, 
she, I think she was the first person that made me understand that like women can have those contradictions. Like you can be really innocent and you can be really mature at the same time. And you can be really sexy and you can be really wholesome at the same time. Like you Mm. don't just have to be one thing. I but I think that's really... a really good point about not being able to tell what age she is. Cause... Have you seen the movie that she made where she, uh, she was, like shot it when she was 16, but it's her first like adult role where her husband might be a Soviet spy? Oh, was that the, the long title? Was like, as I knew something about Paris or something? No, yeah, no. It's, it's way before that. But yeah, she's basically playing a full adult woman with a husband who may or may not have been a spy for the last eight years of their marriage. And she's yeah. 16. Yeah. It's crazy. She would have had to be married to him since she was eight. Yeah. That kind of innocent, but also standing up is so on display in Giant. It's, fantasy. My, it's one of my wow. favorite Liz performances. I fantasy. Yeah. Fantasy. Yeah. Also, I think she's so incredibly beautiful in that movie. Like, I just think she's so incredibly beautiful in color. Like when she does movies in color, because her coloring, Sorry. like her lips and the eyes and the dark hair, it's like, oh my god. Mm-hmm. She looks like a painting sometimes in that movie. Well, also how that movie is shot all like a painting. And she's yeah. with, she continues with her coterie of gays. Oh, but this was when she really became friends with Rock Hudson and they developed the chocolate martini, oh. uh, which is vodka and chocolate syrup. And they loved them. They were just, the thing about Liz too, and she always talks about this where she's like, I never wanted to grow up. And this goes again to why she was such good friends with Michael Jackson. But even though she had this maturity, she like offset during Giant, she just behaved like a kid with Rock Hudson and Montgomery Cliff. And Montgomery Cliff in Place in the Sun. Like they would like, yeah, they, and they were her best, best friends because she could just be totally herself with them. All of my life, I've spent uh, a lot of time with gay men, Montgomery Clift, uh, Jimmy Dean, Rock Hudson, were my colleagues, co-workers, confidants, my closest friends. But I never thought of them, of, of who they slept with. They were just the people I loved. I, I could never understand why they couldn't be afforded the same rights and protections as all of the rest of us. And she also like got loaded with them all the time. That movie also was such a big part of my childhood because my mom loved that movie. Uh, and I'm Mexican-American, and so it was... A movie that, like, I remember being really hard for my mom to watch. Like, she would kind of sob through most of the end of it. And, wow. um And I think that movie was what made her love Liz so much because Elizabeth is, like, her character is sort of, you know, a champion of the Mexican-American people that are living. And it's the scene when... And she also was like, we basically stole this state from Mexico, huh? And anyway, but when all the men are having a conversation and Liz's character walks up to them and they're like, this is men's stuff. And she's like, men's stuff? Lord of mercy. Set up my spinning wheel, girls. I'll join the harem section in a minute. 
Now, Leslie, don't you go worrying your pretty little head about politics. <laughs> you mean my pretty empty head, don't you, Judge? Could I get the coffee for you, Leslie? You too, Uncle Brutus. You don't feel well, Leslie. I feel just great. My adrenaline glands are pumping beautifully. Boo! If I may say so before retiring, you gentlemen date back 100,000 years. You ought to be wearing leopard skins and carrying clubs. Politics? Business? What is so masculine about a conversation that a woman can't enter into? Leslie, you're tired. Perhaps I am. These men, each one of them stand up and like try to shut her up and get her to go sit with the women. And then even the women are like, come over here, like have a cup of whatever. And mm -hmm. she just like keeps slamming them. That's right. Send the children on up to bed so the grown-ups can talk. And then the, when her husband, Rock Hudson, comes upstairs after that to their bedroom and it's like this really interesting she like strokes his ego understands how to sort of like put the man baby calm the man baby down honestly jordan you make me sound just awful not all that bad you knew what a frightful girl i was when you married me I did not deceive you, sir. In the very first moment, I couldn't have been more unpleasant. Anyway, you're stuck with me. Yeah. I guess. Honey, take your hat off. Besides, you love me very much. fine mind of yours gets pretty repulsive at times. It's not what you told me on the train. Now you're gonna throw that up to me. I thought what we... I thought what we said on the train was in confidence. Of course, darling. I'll never forget a single word you said to me. You know, you can be pretty wonderful at times. It's like this like soft strength thing, this like version of a woman that I think like the patriarchy can like get on board with. Like she's radical and opinionated in these like palatable but like palatable doses. But I also love how she does a thing where she in that scene where she reminds him of his goodness or that yeah. he's good to be around enjoyable to be around sometime like she uses so many you're right so many different tactics yeah to of that it really reminded me of my grandmother who yeah. was a big christian of that intact from texas yeah who mm. was very um who was very strong-willed but also believed 
believed in the in in her version of the Bible that she was subservient to her husband. Yeah. And watching how she navigated being such a strong-willed woman, speaking her mind, but then also understanding the limitations of her culture. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that was something that was part of Elizabeth Taylor's like actual life. So it was really interesting to see it reflected in the character she plays. Well, so much, so much of this career makes me think about like I always am thinking about the uh, the parallels between each character and her life. Yeah. And I've been thinking so much about how she is. She's the ultimate example of uh, the woman against misogyny in the 20th century. Yeah. She's been fully had to receive the patriarchy's hatred of women, and she survived it. She thrived in it. She became a perfume magnate, you know, and she stayed sexy the whole time it reminds me of like that barbara walters interview about jewelry when barbara walters says like you said in your book i'm a pretty good con lady so if the rest of us are paying retail what's your secret i don't pay retail you don't pay retail oh no how do you get it for less she just bats her eyelashes yeah i see and then the price comes down I'm not sure the rest of us can do If it's a male salesman. <laughs> and that's pretty much what she does at the end of this scene in Giant. Like, she's like, come to bed. Like, she just seduces him out of the argument. Like, Giant, Giant is so gorgeous. Okay, wow, what is that place on there? Nick loves a list. I love a list. How, oh. Is this top five for you, Giant? 100%. For your favorites? Top five for me. Top yeah. five for Liz? Mm-hmm. Performances? Yeah. Yeah, a great fucking movie. Also, I read you know, beautiful movie. You know, they said like this was it. It was a. It was it was one of the first times that they altered the western from a white Anglo-Saxon perspective. Yeah, yeah. You know, they took that. They kind of took that template and then they absolutely shifted it, and it was really revolutionary. Obviously, there's still some problems in the film, but it's totally. It was the '50s when they did this. It it blew me away rewatching it this time for that reason. Like I was like, this is so incredibly progressive for that time period to be giving Mexican American people this much respect and and literally just respect. Where I was like. This is, and that the journey, I mean, in today's world, it would be like, why are we centering this like white man's journey into understanding that brown people also have humanity? But it is an amazing journey to witness. Like there's that crazy fight scene in the diner at the end of the movie Mm -hmm. when Rock Hudson fights a racist because he's insulting his grandchild who is half Mexican. And, and then at the end, when the two kids are, like, in the ba- in the crib, and one of them is white and the other one is brown, and they're both his grandchildren, and he, like, has this long speech about how this is the future, and this is... And it's crazy, because at the beginning of the movie, he's, like, pretty much a bigot, who is, like, they're not really human, we don't get involved with them, we don't send our doctor over to them, we don't care what their living conditions are like... We don't mix. We don't mix. No, we don't mix, and they're basically here to work for us. And it's the Liz Taylor character that gets him to... When that mumbling sister died, I was like, what? Liz, yeah. Also, Mercedes McCambridge is another queen who worked with Elizabeth Taylor multiple times. Diva, you should know, we talk about representation a lot on this podcast, as you know. 
Um, but like we talk a lot about how because there weren't, you know, gay people necessarily for us to look up to in media growing yeah. up that we latched onto these queens. And I'm wondering like how, like just this film is making me think about representation for you and growing up in Boston and what that was like. We're in Boston. Jamaica Plain. Aha! Shout out, Mama. Oh, yeah. Another battle angel. Who? What? Jason's best friend, Mama. One of my best friends is in Jamaica Plain. I spent Um, a lot of time in Jamaica Plain. It's actually like a really multicultural place, Jamaica Plain. Very lazy. Very lazy. Very lazy. My, yeah, my my neighbor, my landlords in my childhood apartment were gay. So I literally grew up with like two lesbian babysitters. Um, Well... I don't know if that really What if it was the same house that Mama that Mama had in Jamaica Plain? Maybe. They called it Annie's Dyke Patch? No, definitely wasn't oh. Annie's Dyke Patch. This was Stephanie and Waverly's Dyke Patch. <laughs> Dyke Patch. I don't know about represent I mean representation for me with Liz is more about just my experience as a woman mm. and growing into what being a woman could be. I think part of the big reason why I love Diva so much is because when I was young, I was like really searching for someone to tell me how to be a woman. I just didn't really get a lot of that from my mom. And so I was looking to these actresses to show me how to do it. And Liz was somebody that at the beginning I really gravitated towards, but then I sort of went away from Liz because I was like, I'm just never gonna look like that. I'm just never gonna be that perfect. I'm never gonna be that beautiful. My waist will never be that small. I'll never be that skinny. And so that's when I sort of moved away from Liz for a while and started trying to find all these other divas. Is that where your diva ADD comes from? That's where my diva ADD comes from. Because you did really have a, a tough time picking your diva. I did, because I feel like I do I went through in my life all these different women to sort of look at, to model womanhood for me. And then I came back to Liz and I was at a point in my life when I wasn't so insecure about certain things. And I just, I think I saw that Liz kind of is every woman. She has all of these different qualities and sometimes they contradict each other but she just kind of like lets them all live and also she's someone who her career was so based on how beautiful she was for the whole beginning part of her life and when she started losing some of that beauty or like gaining weight or she didn't hide herself or cover herself in shame or like retreat the way that women are supposed to when something like that, when you're so beautiful and then suddenly you change. She was just like, this is me, this is who I am. And I think that kind of like acceptance and positivity and willingness to be so generous with herself was something that later in life I really started to appreciate and like now really take on in my own life. Like this is who I am, warts and all, all the things. And I think it was through Liz that I really felt like, oh, this is the kind of woman that I want to be. She's just so full and so embodied and so... I think assertive is such a good word for her. Yeah, yeah. She's like, 
you know, when she's in the room, she's she can sit back and be a little cat, or you know, and on a lounge chair, or she could be on that tin roof. Yeah, I mean, she, and she's such a survivor, and she's so herself all the time, and. I think she God, was also somebody true. that made me feel like, mm-hmm. oh, there's not shame in being a sexually dynamic woman. That that is not something to hide or or necessarily to flaunt. It's just like a part of who you are. And I just felt like she was so smart. And the way that she lives in her body, I think, is like a big part of that intelligence. Mm-hmm. And like... You can see that in all of the transformations she makes. Like, she's always like, I'm not really an actress. Uh, I'm not that good. But she is. And if you, like, watch the way she changes physically. I mean, the biggest one, obviously, is Martha. We'll get there. But she really understands how to use her body to communicate. Which I think is very similar to Marilyn. But the real difference with her and Marilyn, I think, is that Marilyn has this guilelessness this innocence this true innocence like where she almost doesn't know she's being sexual and elizabeth taylor knows she's being sexual she knows she's using sex yeah and she's just not ashamed of it and she's not apologizing for it and she's using it and cutting through the room with it but i think that there's something about liz where because there's no shame around her sexuality there is a sort of innocence to it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which is different from Marilyn, but like, she's just like, this is nothing to be, this is not manipulative. I'm not, you know, evil. I'm not trying to like, sort of trap men. I just am genuinely, uh, this was part of like she had these huge appetites you know like she loved men she loved food she loved experiences she was curious she, she loved never perfume stopped. she loved, loved diamonds perfume, loved diamonds loved but this was part of her sexuality too was just this like appetite for life and i think she equated it to something really wholesome and like almost earth mothery mm. like a maternal quality that made it feel for me like, oh, this is not the way that sexuality is still portrayed in the 20th century, in the 21st century. Like when I was growing up, it was like, if you're trying to be a sexy girl, you're a bad girl. We'll get to that because Butterfield 8 was like, yeah, uh, uh, re- uh, what I, would, I wanted to say with this is that I think what I'm real. I also just realized is that in general, people are really comfortable with their skin kind of have a playfulness to it. You know, they can play. Uh, they can play the kind of dualities inside themselves and just be comfortable. So they're and that's what she has. Yeah, is that she, it's all she's kind of in on her. She's in on the winking and the jokes and in control of it and has fun. And I'm like, whoa, that's like, you, you're right. You don't see that people just having fun with being an overt kind of sexual kitten. Yeah. And, it's also, and I'm like, oh, it's the fun part of it that we loved, miss. I mean, she didn't realize she loved sex until her <laughs> what husband. One? Richard Burton. No, Eddie Fisher. Oh, Eddie Fisher, really? Ew. Yeah, yeah he had a huge penis. Um, Ew. Like, Eddie I think I told wow. you this in a text where uh, Carrie Fisher said later that she was like it was well known that because she married Eddie, she married Eddie when she was grieving for the loss of her third husband and Carrie was like my dad comforted her with his penis 
<laughs> Literally. Okay, so I know we're jumping around a bit, but this is the most fascinating period to me that you're bringing up, which is Mike Todd, husband number three, who is her her first big love of her life. Literally, yeah, truly. Also the one who started buying her all the diamonds on Earth. He dies while she's two weeks into filming Cat on a Hot Tin Roof in a plane crash. He crashes his plane, which is called The Liz. Which she was going to be on until the last minute. Oh, my God. Yeah, we could have lost her. So I just feel like we should dive into Cat on a Hot Tin Roof because it's right between Mike Todd and Eddie Fisher comforting her with his penis. With his penis, yeah. And then by the time Cat comes out, she is the woman who has destroyed the most perfect marriage in America. And that's why they have that poster with her on that slip on that bed with the fire behind her. Um, and I guess Cat was like the first time that they were really marketing her as like a full-on sex symbol, like where it was like right. she's desirable, she's dangerous. She's not America's sweetheart anymore. She's straight up asking for it from Brick too. Like she's straight up, like straight up. She's the like, whole time. fuck me, fuck time. But that's the other thing I mean about contradictions with that movie and that role because like she's both like super just wanting brick to fuck her because she's full of lust and like also loves him but she also wants him to fuck her because of the inheritance you know what i mean and it's like a woman that can have both at this that same time like she just genuinely wants him to do all this stuff but then she also is like savvy and that's another part of liz is she's so savvy and she always plays these savvy characters who know what they want, know how to get it, go after it. And this is the first time that, like, she's kind of being thwarted. Like, she can't get what she wants, and it's incredibly frustrating. Why can't you lose your good looks, Brig? Most drinking men lose theirs. Why can't you? I think you've even gotten better looking since you went on the bottle. You were such a wonderful lover. You'll be late. You were so exciting to be in love with. Mostly, I guess, because you were... If I thought you'd never, never make love to me again, I... Well, I'd find me the longest, sharpest knife I could, and I'd stick it straight into my heart. I'd do that. Brick, how long does this have to go on, this punishment? Haven't I served my term? Can't I apply for a pardon? Maybe that finishing school was yours sounds like you was running upstairs to tell somebody the house was on fire. Is it any wonder? You know what I feel like? I feel all the time like a cat on a hot tin roof. Then jump off the roof, Maggie, jump off it. Our cats jump off roofs and they land uninjured. Do it, jump. Jump where? Into what? Take a lover. I don't deserve that. I can't see any man but you. With my eyes closed, I just see you. Oh, why can't you get ugly, Brick? Why can't you please get fat or ugly or something so I can stand it? You make out fine. Your kind always does. 
Oh, I'm more determined than you think. I win, all right. But okay. um, she's also really good at playing, like you said, she's really good at, like, legit wanting love and playing that she also wants a, a proper life for herself. Yeah. And, like, yeah. I, that's what re-watching Cat that, um, this last uh, couple weeks was her, I was like, whoa, she's, this is a full-fledged person. Like, Liz is really in here. Yeah. And obviously great dialogue, but it's like, you're right. And also, again, she's really funny in this. Yeah. She's really so funny with funny. those no-neck monsters. She actually wasn't with Eddie Fisher officially yet. Like, it wasn't known that they were It wasn't out? Oh, really? Yeah. I, because I thought they knew, like, right before the publicity started for Cat. I don't know. I thought it was a little bit later than oh, okay. that. Okay. Well, you would know more than me. I don't... Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was I a little... I just read Wikipedia. Like, I thought that they didn't really officially get together until, like, after Suddenly Last Summer came out. Oh, wow. Until, like, 59. I think that Cat is the first time that, like, Liz develops this, like, I'm a survivor uh, sort of part of her, mm. which is in that role, like, because Maggie's such a survivor, which is, like, in that line, like... What is uh, the victory of a cat on a hot tin roof? Just stand on it, I guess. Long as she can. That's Liz. Like, just stay on the horse, even if the horse is, like, going to throw you. And and that's what she was trying to do at that moment, too. She said that, like, acting at that point became her savior, just working yeah. through that grief to survive the death of Mike Todd. But, yeah. y'all, not just working through that grief. Like, you know, again, like, and we, we can't hone it up. She was so young when she started, and everyone around her, they were fall. I mean, Marilyn's gone. A lot of people are going crazy in the insane asylum. The studios are kicking them out because they're not young anymore. So, like, Liz yeah. was one of the few that kind of made the jump. Yeah. And kept yeah. going for as long as she really did. Even the boys got booted out. Yeah. You know, like, the boys weren't desirable. And they also were trained, I think, in such a... You know, when acting started changing in the 60s, yeah. it was mm-hmm. kind of hard to keep in trend. And a lot of the... Like, Rock Hudson wasn't getting work. You know, Montgomery Cliff wasn't getting work. So well, I we'll feel like... we'll get there, because I think we're, we're still in the 50s, so we haven't really... Like, she's just, okay. like, Maryland's hitting... She's hitting, like, the peak of her power right now as mm-hmm. a movie star and I think also as an actor so suddenly last summer suddenly which last is next, summer another Tennessee Williams adaptation another dark one another one where she's just like fighting the misogyny and the patriarchy like mm-hmm. I sent you two clips for that the I haven't first seen this one, one the first one is when she's like talking about basically being raped by this guy which sent her down like a PTSD rabbit hole and in, but instead of like just sitting back, she literally goes back to the party where this guy is. And suddenly I called a taxi and rushed right back to the Roosevelt Hotel ballroom. The ball was still going on. I thought I'd gone back to pick up my borrowed coat, but I hadn't. I hadn't gone back for that at all. I'd gone back to make a scene on the floor of the ballroom. Yes, I didn't pick up Aunt Violet's old silver fox in the coat room. No, I, I rushed right into the ballroom and spotted him on the floor and ran up to him and started to beat him in the face and the chest with my fist still. She's never a victim. Like, she's never going to mm-hmm. just let things happen to her and crumple internally. Like, she's the opposite of the Shelley Winters character. Like, she's right. not 
she's going to fight like she will always fight and when her parent her mom and her brother her mom played by mercedes mccambridge from giant mm-hmm. uh it revealed to her that she's going to have this lobotomy because that's the only way that they can get this hundred thousand dollars from their rich aunt katherine hepburn and he they basically are like it's for our son who we haven't been able to give any of the opportunities so th- like since your father died in 1929 or whatever so basically they're saying like we're gonna sacrifice our daughter for the sake of our son because this is the only way to get money that's sick it's so fucked up and then she literally walks she like escapes from that room and starts walking down a hallway and this like male orderly passes her and she immediately goes from this like incredibly traumatized state to i'm a beautiful like woman don't pay me any mind like i belong here she like starts sort of like slinking down the hallway and it's her protective armor and then she actually accidentally walks into the room where all the male crazy people are being kept and i also feel like that is a big like reflector of liz's actual life because they start to like try to touch salivate. her they start salivating they like looking her. at her they attack her and it's like she's on this Jesus. kind of bridge she's on this bridge above them and they start like they're like trying to climb like a, up it's and like grab World War her Z. yeah it's 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 like zombies yeah it's like yeah. zombies that want to eat her and i mean the themes of that movie are all about like being consumed and consuming and like beautiful people being the ones that are consumed by the world but also maybe like the worst consumers it's a really weird movie feel like that is part of what Liz was experiencing like there was all these people that when she was a little girl she asked her mom once after she got mobbed by a bunch of people she was like are those do those people feel the same things that we feel because she kind of was like why would they want to come at me like that like how could they not recognize that that's scary for me yeah and I feel like that scene reminded me of that anecdote where it's like she just had so many people after her to all wanted the time. to devour her. Yeah, which I think is like accurate for what her experience of being a celebrity was for most of her life. Okay, so that film, it, she has three Best Actress Academy Awards nominations in a row. Rain Tree County, Cat, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, Suddenly Last Summer, and then we're coming to Butterfield 8. Yeah, number four is, for which she wins. Nick was like, skip, so I skipped to the end of the, and you're like, you have to watch this horrible monologue. And I did, <laughs> regretfully, watch Yeah, this it's not a good like, movie. Um, also, horribly, wow, how she turns out. I had no idea. I was like, okay, this is going to be just a rape thing. And then she's like... All older men seem like fathers to me. But I wanted one of my own. To sit in his lap. To hug him. And have him say I was beautiful. Do you remember Major Hartley? Major Hartley, my mother's friend. 
He came down to Grand Central Station one day to pick me up from summer camp. Mother was away visiting. He took me home. He let me sit on his lap. He let me hug him. He told me I was beautiful. He stayed in that house for one week and taught me more about evil than any 13-year-old girl in the world knew. Marie, don't, don't. You haven't heard the worst of it yet. I loved it. Every awful moment of it, I loved. That's your Gloria, Steve. That's your darling, Gloria. I was like, no, no. But also, she gives it in that she gives it. She like does that give it. She always gives so it. so melodramatic and bad. I think that's actually one of her best speeches like that. Because she has a lot of them where she's kind of just like, you know divulging these dark things yeah, she mostly always has of a, a sexual dark nature she's got yeah a secret Herrible it's a so i have movie. a little backstory on this so basically the eddie fisher thing she stole eddie fisher away from debbie reynolds who literally was america's sweetheart at the time even though that marriage was like a publicity setup it was still a big deal. Um, and she had baby. They had babies together. They had like... two. One. Yeah, one. one. Liza. One. She had two with Michael Wilding, which is the guy before Which is the Mike British Todd, actor she met on Who is also gay. Who is also gay. Also gay. Yes, Michael Wilding yeah. was gay. Yeah. Um, also abusive? No. Who's Carrie's dad? Eddie Fisher. The one that she yeah. stole from yeah. Debbie, Debbie Reynolds. Reynolds. Husband four. And she had one baby with Mike Todd. One baby with Mike Todd, two oh. with Michael Wilding, and then she adopted one with... Eddie I did, Fisher. where are those babies now? So, Oh, no, no, I did, where are the grandbabies now? I, I know what all the grandbabies look like now, bitches! <laughs> yeah, basically she was trying to get out of her MGM contract because the studio system was dying. Like, Louis B. Mayer was mm-hmm. gone, and everything was sort of falling apart and like the production code was loosening. Like there was a lot more stuff that could happen in movies now. And she wanted to get out so she could like make her own choices and do independent work. But they were like, Oh, and she also had Cleopatra lined up and her million dollar paycheck. But she owed MGM another movie before they would release her from her contract. And so they forced her to do this movie and this movie was like very deliberately written to like be exactly the circumstance that was happening in their real life like they cast an actress who looked a lot like Debbie Reynolds to play Eddie Fisher's girlfriend and the like wholesome sweet girl and then Liz was like the bad girl who's sleeping around has a has a huge kind of a call girl she has an answering service which means which that, means like, she's loose which means she's loose, which means like men call into her answering service when they like want to sleep with her. And well, she, she gets paid. She, accepts, she gets paid. Like, no, she doesn't. She accepts like gifts and sleeps in their houses, but she doesn't get paid. I thought in that monologue, she's like, I got paid. That's the worst well, part. Well, she got paid in the first In one, the first scene. The first because, scene. He leaves and, her two fifty. Well, because he ripped her dress. And Two dollars and fifty cents. He, he tries That's to pay. Right. He tries to pay her back for her ripped dress, but she 
thinks mistakenly that and he's then she takes it lipstick on the mirror and writes no, no sale. sale it's so brilliant Ugh. so basically the theme of this movie is that they really tried to make her make this movie to shame her but it ended up having the opposite effect um in the sense that because like the morals of the country were changing by the time the movie came out they really started seeing this bad girl that Liz was playing as like someone that they wanted to be like women around the country sort of started seeing like oh being a bad girl can be really fun like the mm-hmm. whole beginning of the and also it's like in the way it's shot like the whole beginning of the movie that opening scene is amazing she like wakes up hungover in a man's bed tries to smoke a cigarette first thing there's yeah. no cigarettes uh, she pours herself some bourbon. She like yes. puts on her extremely slinky slip and like walks around the house with like this. She she, uh, she drinks drink the bourbon and brushes her teeth with it. Then yeah. she's like, I'm gonna help myself to his wife's perfume. And then because she doesn't, she can't wear her ripped dress. She steals this like extremely expensive mink of his wife's. Yeah. Because it's also like a fuck you, and then steals a bottle of scotch and leaves. Who plays the wife? Her name is like Susan Oliver or something. Oh, Ooh, that's I a that was good also... cat name. Susan yeah. Oliver for a cat. Yes. Let me Isn't look at nice? my notes. I want to name a cat Mary Oliver. After I have the some. Poet. Oh yeah, Susan Oliver is her name. It it just reflects. Yours is Mary, mine is Susan. <laughs> Mary and Susan Oliver. We have to get sister cats. Yes. I have a good little like anecdote of sorts, like the director of this movie wrote script notes about the character that she plays, like little notes in the margins, and he wrote this about the character that Liz plays in the movie. Finds men the source of her regeneration, a will to lose and find herself. She has a great sense of humor. Changes come fast. Emotion flows, flips, flops. She's up, she's down, big-hearted. Which I kind of think is like a literal description of Elizabeth. It's also a description oh. of you. Um, well, this is why I love her so much. It just yeah. does remind me of you. Like, if if I was to read those notes in a character and someone's like, who should I cast in this? I would be like, Carmen. Me, yeah. No, but I think that's why I'm so attracted to Liz. Um, the thing I thought was interesting about this movie is it's kinky like porn and also boring like porn. I know. You know, like a lot, like when you try, like people who can watch like a long porn movie, I'm like, snooze a ruse. Like right from I mean, wa- this... watch from the beginning until like 15 minutes in. It's like, this like, movie just, like let me is... get up and go to bed, please. Yeah. yeah, and then they kill her at the end. But this is where they like, do this, kill her at the, the end. The, the they do? Is, How do they kill her? She, she drives like... off a cliff after she's being chased by this like horrible, that worst man, man so of terrible. all time. Like, epitome of toxic masculinity and also some of the worst acting (laughs) but the thing is about this movie is that like she made being sexy and independent and like defiant of cultural norms the desirable way to be which was not the way that it had been before this movie and it's like and also her independence included sex and love which it made it was like also the first time that she was like leading a movie like this it and it was sort of like in that like Hepburn and Crawford and Betty Davis mold, but she was of being like, I'm gonna be my own woman. I'm gonna do things my way, and I'm gonna defy what everyone expects me to do. 
but she added like the sexuality and love component to it that I feel like those women couldn't mm. really bring into these women. And like, yeah, she's the first kind of actually sexy, big acting leading lady. Sex positive, yeah. Sex positive, yeah. Like Marilyn, it just wasn't considered the actress on the level of Hepburn and Davis and Crawford. Yeah. And I also Taylor think- was. I also think, like, the film knew her sexuality, but a lot of Marilyn's things was that she didn't know it. You know, she was always, like, kind of caught off guard by her sexuality, whereas Elizabeth Taylor... Liz was like, I love it. Uses it. Uses Mm -hmm. it. And the thing also Purposely uses it. This movie was that, like, Liz hated it. She refused to do it. But then when she actually showed up to set, she was, like, the consummate professional and gave it 100%. And therefore, the performance is really good. And it's, like, what ended up happening is that because she did that and she just poured her whole self into it, it's really a reflection of her. And, like, a lot of the stars of that period were trying to gauge what the public wanted of them, like, including Mm. Debbie Reynolds, Mm. who was like, Mm. I'm America's sweetheart. When she came out to do a press interview about the Eddie Fisher debacle, she was wearing overalls in her hair and two pigtails, and she had diaper pins in her, like, attached to her overalls to be like, I'm just, like, a loving wife and mother, like who was wronged by this, like, femme fatale. And Liz was just like, fuck that, you know? I'm just going to be my damn self and refuse to be shamed and refuse to be America's sweetheart, because I'm clearly not. I think we're used to the idea that that celebrities, because most celebrities nowadays we grew up with are kind of, do the kind of fuck that, controlling of the image. But, but back they then, they didn't back then. They did no. not back then. No. They were not allowed to, and they, in fact, they would lose their livelihoods. But Liz was like, "Fuck all that." Yeah, and <laughs> like, she got really lucky because this was the time when culture was changing, as she was mm-hmm. like, "Fuck that." And so, women all over the country, I mean, like femme fatales have always been part of cinema, right? But they were always like not the. They were the deviants. And, she, and, like, the devoted wife and mother was, like, the ideal woman. But she made being a bad girl ideal. Like, she made that woman who everyone wanted to be, who all the women wanted to be, and all the men wanted to be with. Like, she really created that. Just like Natalie Portman in Closer. <laughs> Ooh, Natalie Portman is a hair apparent. <laughs> I, I really Liz is like, no, care. not a vegan. No, my darlings, no vegan well, is a hair apparent to me. Correct. She correct. Liz was food. not a vegan. Absolutely Liz was not, not. a vegan. Okay, so we have to move on to her next Academy Award nominated performance in Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. She did Cleopatra. It's a snooze. She got paid a lot of money for it. She met. That's it. where she met Richard. She met yeah. Richard. We got to do that real quick. Yeah, they. The second great love of her life. But also, I think one of the most influential loves that we that is going to now go forward. Like, well, literally the most influential. The love. most influential. They made eleven love. movies together. Oh and God, they did. She really transitioned into trying to make like. Look, just, I watched the Sandpiper. She was making some independent artsy. Yeah, artsy. She was she doing some like art. a single Montessori mom. I mean, in that one, now I'm jumping. In that one, she's like, oh no. I don't know who the father is because I left him. I don't even care about the father. I'm a single mother. I'm That's kind of like her hippie, right? That's her hippie Yeah, one. she's her big hippie part. It's fun. I gotta watch it. From men who only have had me, never really loved me. So I came here and you don't 
believe a word I've said. Contrary, I, I do. However, instead of eliminating man from your life totally, why don't you uh, solve the problem by finding a man, the kind of man who would really love you? I don't think it's possible for a man to really love a, a woman like me. He only just has her, I think. Like, she took a lot of risks, you know? She took so many risks with Richard. The biggest and one being, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf, a Mike Nichols joint, which we always love around here. Yes. I can't remember who I read. I read a review of this. I read a review of kind of a, um, after the point where they were like, this was their peak before and after in their careers. Like, nothing was better before this and nothing came better after this. Like, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf is their height. As yeah. a couple and as individuals too, he was like individuals. This is like some of their greatest work. Y'all so should watch this. Was at the best. It's a bummer. It's a real bummer. Their marriage was at its best while they were making this movie. Wow, just tearing each other's. They just got therapy on set, just like ripping each other to yeah, shreds. They just loved fighting with each other. They'd literally just like go home and fuck like rabbits afterwards. It was like oh, foreplay wow. for them. <laughs> I actually fell for him. It that. There. Martha's a romantic at heart. That I am. I actually fell for him. And the match seemed practical, too. For a while, Daddy really thought that George minute, had the Martha. stuff to take over when he was Wait ready to retire. Wait a minute, Martha. And we both thought that naturally... Stop it, Martha. Oh, what do you want? I wouldn't go on with this if I were you. Oh, you wouldn't, would you? Would you not? You've already sprung a leak about you-know-what. What? 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 About the sprout, the little bugger, our son. If you start in on this other business, Martha, I warn you. I stand warned. Do we really have to go through all this? So anyway, I married the SOP. I had it all planned out. First, he'd take over the history department. Then when Daddy retired, he'd take over the whole college, you know? That was the way it was supposed to be. Getting angry, baby, huh? That was the way it was supposed to be. All very simple. And Daddy thought it was a good idea, too, for a while. Until he started watching for a couple of years getting angry until he watched for a couple of years and started thinking that maybe it wasn't such a good idea after all that maybe georgie boy didn't have the stuff that maybe he didn't have it in him stop it martha like hell i will you see george didn't have much push he wasn't particularly aggressive in fact he was sort of a flop a great big fat flop stop it martha I hope that was an empty bottle, George. You can't afford to waste good liquor. Not on your salary. Not on an associate professor's salary. And I guess Richard Burton would also love to fuck guys like rabbits, too. It was some of the he, tea I read. He tried being gay for a little while, and it didn't yeah. stick, apparently. I think he slept with Laurence Olivier or something. Oh, yeah. 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 Laurence Olivier would fuck anybody. All right, y'all. This movie. Come on. Get let's. Okay, let's, this let's movie. Fuck. I think. Okay, this is my number one list performance. I think this is her best performance of all time. This is my favorite list performance. One of the best performances of all time. Like not Liz's. Of, 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 of all time. Of all time. Cinema. Of all yeah. the fucking time. There's only been one man in my whole life who's ever made me happy. You know that? One. At the gym instructor or something? No, 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 no. George. My husband? You're kidding. Am I? <laughs> you must be. Him? Yeah. George. George. You don't believe it. 
Well, of course I do. You always deal in appearances. Oh, for God's sake. George, who is out somewhere there in the dark, who is good to me, whom I revile, who can keep learning the games we play as quickly as I can change them, who can make me happy, and I do not wish to be happy. Yes, I do wish to be happy. George and Martha. Sad, sad, sad. Whom I will not forgive for having come to rest, for having seen me and having said, Yes, this will do. Who has made the hideous, the hurting, the insulting mistake of loving me and must be punished for it? George and Martha. Sad, sad. Sad. Sad, sad, sad. Someday, some night, some stupid liquor-ridden night, I will go too far. I'll either break the man's back or I'll push him off a good, which is what I deserve. You know that when they did the table read for this movie, they served Bloody Marys during it? How civilized. Oh, love Yum. Yeah. And also they wanted Betty Davis for this movie. Betty Davis and James Mason is who Albie wanted. Really? And yeah. who Mike Nichols wanted. But it was actually the producer, Ernest Lehman, who was like, we gotta get... Betty was too old. Okay, so, yes, she was. The character is 52. Elizabeth was I... 33. I don't when... think the character is 52. No, they're, they're 44. 45. They're 44. 44. I'm pretty sure it's in the no. stage directions. They're 44. 44. That's what always bugs me out about this movie. Like, there has to be a potential that Martha could get pregnant by Nick that night. And if that doesn't exist in the play... Don't See, and do I, don't, I, I don't think that... I think that they have to, they have to be able to still kind of hold on to some glory days as um, to why, like, they can maybe be the sociable couple. It's just like whenever they cast a 60-year-old woman in this part, you're like, how old yeah. is Daddy? Like, 95? <laughs> 90. You just came from Daddy's house. Jesus. All right, but regardless, the character's supposed to be 45, and Elizabeth was 33, and at the height of her beauty, and like, so She don't look it in this. Part. She don't look it in this. No, but they really... She gained 30 pounds, and they gave her that crazy wig. Fun fact. The guy who did her... This is a throwback to your episodes about the comeback. Um, she had an iconic, iconic shout out to Max Jenkins and, and um, Bane Jason Baby. Black and Valerie yeah <laughs> she had an iconic <laughs> relationship with her hairdresser for her whole life so the guy who did her hair on National Velvet when she was 12 is this guy named Sidney Gilleroff up and in that movie, she had this long, beautiful hair, but then when she's like masquerading as a jockey, she was supposed to cut it all off, and the studio was like, you have to cut it, and she was like, no. And so Sydney like sneakily made her a wig, and uh, it was a, and it got approved, and so she didn't have to cut her hair. And he literally was her hairdresser from then on, and he made the Martha wig for Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. It's a great wig. You know what yeah. I'm obsessed with? She calls her assistant secretaries. 
and they were all mostly men, gay men. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. one passed away from AIDS, which she said was one of her greatest losses. Like, her secretary, who took pills because he didn't want to live with AIDS anyways. But, like, yes. And then she kept one almost all, all the way up to through her death for, like, 20-plus years. But I love that. Cause, and, and the last one was he was like, I can't be a secretary. I can't do writing. And she was like, that's not what this is. <laughs> Like when I Fabulous. reincarnated into a different dimension and time period, please bring me back as one of Elizabeth Taylor's secretaries. Ugh, you see, bitch, here's what I thought about. I'm, I, I, I want to be her grand, grandbaby. I'm a hard worker. You want to be I'm, a grandbaby? How, can you imagine this? Yeah. I would be her fucking favorite. I would use all of her charm and turn it on her. Totally. And I would do grandma's snacks. I would have a little grandma volume. I would have a little grandma apple brandy. Like, oh. <laughs> God, she would love Speaking me. I would love Valium, her. This was the movie where she was pretty. She was doing some kind of drug on set. Um, really, but it was like a mood booster. But they said it was like a great. The producer was like, "I'm pretty it sure worked. I'm." She's taking something because her mood is so elevated. But it wow. worked. I think a huge part of the success of this movie is due to Mike Nichols. Like, one of the things that this actually links her with. Uh, aforementioned Natalie Portman was that I love Elizabeth's work before this but she oh she had this really high voice that really rubbed me the wrong way sometimes and Mike Nichols was like you need to lower your voice at least an octave for this movie and like tried to get her a coach and she was like I can do it by myself but I think the fact that she speaks in this like lower register really helps sell Martha like a hundred percent if she'd been doing it in her high voice, it would have been terrible. Well, especially since she was following... I mean, this play was such a huge smash hit in New York, first starting with Uda and then Elaine, like two yeah. of the huskiest voice ladies in the biz. Yeah. But it gave her, like, a gravitas that I think she needed in some of her earlier movies and didn't quite, couldn't quite latch on to. Right. I think she is so sexy in this movie so sexy and it was also like a big risk for her because she was at this age where she was still beautiful and powerful but like all these 20 year olds were coming up behind her like julie christie and jane fonda and like she was but she went the opposite way and de-glamorized herself to do this movie and i think you see the most of liz she always talked about how martha wasn't like her but i'm like i think martha and liz Martha is Liz. Like, I think you're Mm. seeing a side of her that is a huge part of Liz Taylor. Like, she loved to have, like, burping and farting contests with her co-stars. Like, nobody's asking you to remember every goddamn Warner Brothers epic. Just one. Just one single little epic. That's all. Betty Davis gets paradinitis at the end. And she wears this big black front wig all throughout the picture. And she's married to Joseph Cottonism. Somebody. Somebody. And she wants to go to Chicago all the time because she's not that active with the star. But she gets it. And she sits down in front of her dressing table. What actor? What scar? I can't remember his name for God's sake. What's the name of the picture? I want to know what the name of the picture is. She gets pardoned. She decides to go to Chicago anyway. And Chicago. It's called Chicago. Huh? What? What in? I mean, the picture. It's called Chicago. Oh, good grief. Don't you know anything? 
Chicago was a 30s musical starring little Miss Alice Faye. Don't you know anything? This picture. Betty Davis comes home from a hard day at the grocery store. She works in the grocery store? She's a housewife. She buys things. She comes home with the groceries. And she walks into the modest living room. Of the modest cottage, modest Joseph Cotton set her up in. Are they married? And she, yes, they're married. To each other, Clark. And she comes in. And she looks around this room. And she sets down her groceries. And she says, What a dump! She's discontent. Oh. Well, what's the name of the picture? I really don't know, Martha. Well, think! Like, I think that that is a huge part of Elizabeth Taylor. This, like, messy, kind of grotesque, like... I think that's a big... Grand barroom That's, like, the flip dame. side of, like, Liz's dainty beauty. You it's know something I mean? I, that she has in common with Liza Minnelli. 100%. Like, if I picked two divas to go drinking with, it would be oh probably Liz and Liza. Because nothing make, mixes better with drinking than, like, pills. So it, he would be like, <laughs> you, would have a, you would have a full-on pharmacy next to you if you're in the <laughs> middle of that. Okay, so we've gone all the way up there. We've gone, we've done all, we've basically, what we've, what kitty cats and kitty kittens, what we've done for you now is kind of done Liza's that you would know. And I am obsessed with looking at her Wikipedia filmography, her IMDb. And there's, she does so many more films that most of us have never heard of. And I just, I'm, I try to track what happened. Because she's so high right here. 66, it's this great movie with her love. And it's just, they seem to be interesting films, but it's a mind boggle. No? Yeah, it's weird. It's like, really weird. The two that came right after this were Taming of the Shrew, which, which makes did sense. With Richard, which that is makes sense. not a bad movie. No, it's great. It's Zephyr, it's Zephyr LA. And yeah, and she's really good in it, and her take is interesting. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. okay, so so we do this. So we're in the 70s, and the 70s was just her kind of experimenting and doing, I would say, smaller films. She even does a film in. Um, in Italy, right? She she does she does a couple films out of states, and and it's just nothing hits. I feel like she tries to do the right things. Like sometimes she even has a horror film, a couple thrillers in her name, but it just yeah. does not slam. The public is not eating her up. And then we get to the eighties, and I think this is when she kind of reinvents herself. Yeah, she just kind of decides to like throw it out the window and just go fuck it and like. Po like actively engage with like the poking fun at herself and her image. Yeah, and which comes to the TV movie of Sweet Bird of Youth starring well, Elizabeth Taylor and Mark Harmon that we all watched on Amazon Prime, and it was a, a truly religious experience. Talk about a porno <laughs> film. No, but like not a porno film that I thought, like, what is this? What was this on this? At first I was like, oh, this is some really unfortunate CBS made for TV. And, I'm, and Nick's like, you have to watch it. He was like, I'm so excited for you to watch it. I'm watching it. I kind of get the vibe. And then straight, like... Vag tease and almost like Mark Harmon's D comes out within like 
three minutes and I was like, what am I watching? And also what just, like, TV the whole channel was this like on? A porn set. Like I'm like I could see soft a porn light filmed here. Yeah, terrible, oh. terrible, like quality, whatever. Like it was just like terrible '80s badness. A, but Liz also a lot is, of caftans in that movie. So much caftans, so much soft lighting. Liz is so in and out of consciousness in <laughs> in this film. Like I've never seen someone lighting. Like I genuinely so don't know there. if she was like aware of how bad it was and just didn't care. Or, or that she remembered remember remember that she was even in. Yeah, because right after this is when she goes into the Betty Ford. Yeah, the oxygen in that movie. <gasps> when she shows up in an oxygen. Oxygen, oxygen. Yeah, it's, oh, so, it's so good. The movie is a, a nightmare and a dream at the same time. It but is a nightmare point, and a dream. And it's also free, so watch thing. it. What? Free, watch it, yeah. Oh, yeah, watch it for free, please. D- d- but please watch Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf first. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, or, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's two sides of the coin but also through the 80s she was doing another little thing called starting Amphar and single-handedly almost except for all the gay activists and lesbian activists fighting AIDS. She raised millions of dollars for at first AIDS research and then when she wasn't pleased about the direction that Amphar was going in she started her own Elizabeth Taylor Foundation that was basically all the money just went into like care and prevention you know, it puts people to fucking shame because you. everyone thinks like, oh, AIDS activism started in 92 and everyone was wearing the ribbons and that was like, like kind of it and Madonna was talking about it. Fuck everyone off. She started, started in 85 when Rock Hudson died. She was like, Before there was no Rock face. Before Rock Hudson died. Before Rock Hudson died, she was invested in it. It kind of makes yeah. me think about our divas, including our diva. I was mm-hmm. kind of like, shame, 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 shame. Like, here's Elizabeth Taylor stepping up to the plate and no it takes everyone so fucking long to be as loud as she was we needed a sex positive queen to do this because she just had she would not allow a second of sex shaming no but she was also really open she was like when asked about if she was practicing safe sex with larry fortensky her like carpenter husband she was like no, we don't use condoms, but we get tested regularly and we're only with each other, which I think is okay. Like, she wouldn't dodge it, you know what I mean? She would mm-hmm. be like, that's an inappropriate question. Like, she was just like, this is the shit we have to start talking about. She was completely open. She has, these, she has this quality, this combined quality, which I think we all need to think about right now as we're all exploring various levels of activism. She has this... She has supernatural positivity and righteous fury. Yep. And both of those things together allow her to have that engine, that, that anger, that engines that you wanting to do something. And then the supernatural positivity that lets you frame it to the world and also continue to just come from a place of wanting to care for people and help people. What would you say if Mr. Gingrich said tomorrow... Elizabeth, sad as this is, much as I feel for you, this disease is totally preventable. You could prevent, we could say that starting tomorrow, we could absolutely prevent this disease. Through needle use, stop using it, through, through uh, unprotected sex homosexually, we could stop the disease tomorrow. If he said that to me, yeah. 
nor is the public can stop it. This isn't like cancer, which maybe we can't stop, or heart disease, which maybe we can't stop, or influenza. No, it, 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 it is stoppable. You're right. Uh, by not having uh, blood transmitted, right. um, by not having unsafe sex, uh, it's going to take a lot of effort and a lot of education to make people stop. You're going to then spend you, money on that, too. You've got to spend money. And then you have millions of people who have the disease that you have to set out to cure to make better, like Tom. You've got to do that before you say, hey, isn't it terrific? The numbers are falling down. We have um, half a million people who are still sick. So he can't say, I'll blow a kiss and it'll go away. This There's is... a lot of work to still be done. You can't wash your hands. No. And you can't turn the other way. She I also, also think she has, has a poised heart. It's in all of her work. It's like why all of her characters are, you root for them all the time, even if they're like kind of shady people. She just, and she was that way. All the crews that she ever worked with, she loved her. She was good and kind to everybody and like came really, that's what I'm talking about with this like sex positivity. It's like it comes from a place of love. You know what I mean? Like she just loves people and... She kind of reminds empathy. me of Cher in that way. Like Cher, yeah. I've always heard on set mm. is like is like a grand high diva, but also down to like put on a funny wig and clown and like dance around. Like even even in burlesque, that's what I heard. That like oh, she's just like really with the crew and but oh y'all, we got to play that glad two thousand acceptance speech where that's what I said. 20 mm -hmm. years ago, she is acting like the most progressive girl on the block, saying yep. things like there is no gay agenda. It's a human agenda. All of us should be treated the same, and Glad knows that. Why shouldn't gay people be allowed to marry? Those against gay marriages say marriage should only be between a man and a woman. God, I of all people know that that doesn't always work. I feel that any home where there is love constitutes a family. And all families should have the same legal rights. <laughs> including the rights to marry and have or adopt children. gay people be able to live as open and freely as everybody else. What it comes down to ultimately is love. How can anything bad come out of love? The bad stuff comes out of mistrust, misunderstanding, 
and God knows from hate and from ignorance. Thank God Glad works to fight this. During my life, I've seen many things, good and bad, but the bad things never came out of loving acts, loving gestures, or loving relationships. That's why I'm here tonight, to celebrate you and your families. And then she was also, am I correct to say this, also an entrepreneur of... You have it? <gasps> oh my god, I can't believe you actually have you it. Have what does it smell this like? This has always brought Describe me luck. Describe, ah! Describe the scent. It, okay, I sprayed it and it was like I had a polyester suit on. <laughs> and, in, and an ashtray of still burning cigarettes <laughs> with all the windows closed and like a, a like a deck of cards out ready for me to play my solo games. <laughs> like, so basically it's like, it's terrible. It smells terrible. It's so terrible. Yeah. You're going to have to tell me because we did this for Britney Spears and I'm going to do it right now. You knew I was going to do it. Elizabeth Taylor perfume names. You're going to have to pick one that is you. White diamonds, passion. Gardenia, Elizabeth Taylor, Passion, Forever Elizabeth, Sparkling White Diamonds, White Diamonds Luster, Diamonds and Rubies, White Diamonds Night, Diamonds and Emeralds, Diamonds and Sapphires, White Diamonds Brilliant, Love and White Diamonds, Violet Eyes, and Black Pearls. Which one are you? I am a cross between three. You have to pick one. I <laughs> know I don't. I'm a cross between Black Pearl, Passion, and Diamonds and Rubies. Oh, I love Diamonds and Rubies. Jay, who are you? Well, since again I own White Diamonds, and I know how it smells, I don't think I want to be this one. And <laughs> I asked a CVS person, I was like, can I return this? I'm not going to because actually, <laughs> because actually the white diamonds can on the I box, it, it, you, every time, <laughs> my purchase actually goes to the Elizabeth Taylor AIDS Foundation. It does? So, oh, fabulous. Yes. Yes. Oh, I spent, I know I, sp- I, I should, ugh, I don't, <laughs> this is, this is, this spend on it? $40. I know. I I knew I had to do it. It's. I'm gonna. It's on display in my bathroom. So, and I am gonna wear it. Kind of. I think you have to spray it outside and then spend. (laughs) Let it land and then walk through it in a minute. And then spin around. I think you just have to let it settle. Treat it as if it's like a statue of Elizabeth Taylor. You just like display in your home. Well, it's something. But um, violet eyes. She. I'm gardenia. I'm gardenia. Perfect for you. There is no gardenia. Yes, there is. Yes, oh, gardenia I Elizabeth one. Taylor. That's and her, the one I would have gotten bought. That's it's what green. I wanted. And her secretary, I guess, said that she put them through hell to get it to smell exactly like her gardenias. So should we wrap it up, babes? Do you, Carmen, you yeah, know how we do it. Let's figure should out a way it? to go back to it. Um, oh, yeah. We, we need to do an idea. You know what we do? Up. No, do you want to do it? Do this. You can no, do it. I actually really don't want to do it. You okay. don't want to do it? Yeah, you don't want to just say a little... Bon ma to her, to no. her, to, to the other plane, to grandmama. No, I can't do it. Yeah, I really can't do it. Too We're much. Have to close this up another way. Yeah, it's too much. Yeah, 
Totally. Well, do you have anything else you'd like to say? How about that? I don't. Do you have, if you could give the children, if you could give the the battle angels a message to all your fellow battle angels, what would it be? You're leaving a voicemail on the collective battle angel answering machine. Um, I think that my message to the battle angels would be something that Nick said earlier. Like, in this moment where we are all investigating how to be better activists and better citizens, let's look to... Dame Elizabeth Taylor's example for how to be a decent, generous, compassionate, angry, intelligent person. There are more adjectives, but... Queen. 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 Mm -hmm. Legend. Legend. Icon. Goddess. You hear that, Battle Angels? Get that done this week. Become a dame. Let it inspire you. I think too. It inspired me. Let her inspire me, you. So. Yeah. Yeah. Let her lift you up. It's a fight. We're in a fight and we're in a long fight. She knew that. And she and did we're nothing but that. fight throughout her entire mm-hmm. life. She And she never gave up. And she neither do Battle Angels. Up. I know Battle Angels don't no. give up either. That's why you're here. That's why you sit through a two hour Elizabeth Taylor episode. We hope you all stay well and healthy and Thank get you, Carmen. informed. Thank you, Carmen, for coming I love up. this you podcast back? so much. We love you. Ugh. Will you come back? I would love to come back, and I'll try to make it less than two hours. Impossible. I need we don't to want do. It. I need to do another one of my queens, Catherine Hepburn. Catherine Hepburn. She's the OG queen. Stay tuned for that episode, and go back and uh, download, and also uh, rate, review, subscribe, follow, share, all of that. Take a dump. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. <laughs> we love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. I will remain here as rowdy an activist as I have to be and God willing for as long as I have to be. Tonight, tonight I am asking for your help. I call upon you to draw from the depths of your being to prove that we are a human race, to prove that our love outweighs our need to hate, that our compassion is more compelling than our need to blame, that our sensitivity to those in need is stronger than our greed, that our ability to reason overcomes our fear, and that at the end of each of our lives, we can look back and be proud that we have treated others with the kindness, dignity, and respect that every human being deserves. Thank you, and God bless.